spending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Ron Huntinghake, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Anthony D. Clementi. You're welcome. Happy to be on. Good here. job. Very nice. Very nice. If you were if you were calling to sell me something on the phone, I would continue talking to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had some. Yeah, I've had some pretty pretty rough pronunciation attempts. So as as we normally kick off the show, for our listeners who may not be familiar with your backstory, um, maybe you could give us a little bit of how you got here. So I'm a family physician. Grew up in a small town was interested in health and thought when I went to medical school, I'd be learning about health. But medical school these days is all about disease. And as a doctor, you of course need to know that, but I uh, got interested in wellness, running, meditation, self-improvement. And uh, so I went into family medicine and found a wellness clinic to work at and we did the usual uh, exercise, you know, stress management, food, but I wanted more. And so I ran into Dr. Hugh Reardon, who was the founder of the Reardon Clinic, which at that time was the Center for the Improvement of Human Functioning. And he had, through the help of uh, wonderful donors here in Wichita, created a fantastic nutrient laboratory where we could peer into the functional status of the biochemistry, the, the cellular chemistry of the body, and see in a better way what was causing dysfunction or disease in people and actually correct it on a uh, cellular level as opposed to just covering up the symptoms pharmacologically. Not, not opposed to using pharmacologically pharmaco uh, meds, appropriately, but uh, the idea of really investigating functional nutrition, that appealed to me as a way, as a pathway to better better health. And so I've been here 30, 35 years, 35 years in that endeavor. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I, I mean, what I'm hearing too is, so my book that I, I put out in 2016, called the biohackers guide to upgrade energy and focus the main chapters that are like the foundation of health are, are invite your environment your nutrition movement stress management sleep supplements which ties into nutrients um hydration oxygenation and then light and mindset and habits you guys were basically doing biohacking before it was even a term that's true you know even the, the name of, of the facility was all about how do you improve human performance regardless of where that individual is at on the spectrum? Are they dealing with imbalances in the body that need to be healed? Or are they looking to improve their physical or mental performance in some other capacity by identifying weaknesses or, or breaks in, in the chain? Exactly. sound accurate or am I just yeah. making assumptions? No, that's there? it. Dr. Reardon sponsored 15 international conferences on human functioning uh, from 1975 to 19... Uh, to 2010, excuse me, 2005, just before he died. And, and that's the type of people he was inviting. He, and he, he investigated all that light, water, 
uh, movement, sleep, anything that dealt with how humans could function better, he was interested in. Very cool. Do you mind, how, how old was he when he passed? He was uh, only 72. And, I'm, and, I, and I think he would have lived longer, except he missed one really important biohack, namely your mouth. And I'm talking about teeth and dental. He had very bad, uh, he had root canals, infections, mercury fillings, and he never did, that one didn't mm. connect with him for some reason. And it's crucial in terms of health. And I, and I honestly think that's why, that's why he died is from infections uh, stemming from bad mouth diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Part of my, I mean, my model when I'm, I'm working with clients and like, I don't practice medicine, I'm not a doctor and I don't pretend to be one. Um, but when someone comes and they said, look, there's, I've got something going on, my energy, my cognition, my health is being impacted. We're looking at <clears throat> in, infections, like you just mentioned, right. of, of a wide variety, also including Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, parasites in the body. We're looking at toxins, we're looking at metals, and we're looking at EMFs that be, because all of those I feel like play off of one another. If you've got a parasitic infection, if you've got metals in your mouth, and then they gradually start ramping up, not they, but you gradually start ramping up the amount of wireless electricity in your life. Now you're having an antenna effect where the, the mercury and the metals are causing even more oxidative stress and damage at the cellular level. And you can improve that by decreasing your wireless electricity or getting the metals out of your body through chelation or other things. And um, I, I sort of feel like all of those play on one another and needs need to be taken into account. Definitely, yeah, so we do diagnostic chelations. That was one of the first things that Dr. Reardon had me do is to get certified in chelation. We still see lots of lead coming out of people. There's uh, lead in the various pesticides that are used in farming. And so consequently, mm -hmm. we're all eating, unless you're really careful about where you're getting your food, it's probably has heavy metals in it. And so, and then of course, lead pipes are still around, lead paint. Um, so there's a lot of places to pick up lead. And then mercury, there are fewer of the, uh, the mercury fillings being put in but uh, there's still a lot of people that, that have them. And then if they're not removed properly, they're, they're gonna create chronic problems. And that's really, that's another reason why I ended up at the Reardon Clinic. I had a mouthful of fillings that were removed mm. improperly. And so I've done a lot of chelation, a lot of work to try to get my brain working again because uh, mercury spreads itself throughout the entire body and, and it can definitely have effects on the cognition. It sure can. My my dad had uh, Parkinson's. He got the early version of Parkinson's, and I went really deep with him, trying to trying to help get him out of a tough situation. He actually just passed about three weeks ago, due to uh, an unexpected complication that pretty much only happens with men that have Parkinson's. His his intestines got twisted. We thought he was just constipated. His intestines got twisted and cut off blood flow to his colon. His colon died. And um, there was nothing they could do. They basically said, we could try to do surgery for this, but with a dead colon, he's not going to come back. We called a family friend that's also been a, a physician for 50 plus years. And um, he said, your dad's not going to come back from that surgery. He, he, he's like, he's, he's, he's either going to die now of sepsis and you can help make that less horrible, or he's going to die with people cutting him open on, on the table, you know? And um, 
it's always a tough situation, but <clears throat> in, in, in sort of figuring out where did this originate, you know, we're involved with a, in a class action suit with Paraquat because of how these herbicides and pesticides are linked to neurodegenerative diseases and Parkinson's. And, and for anyone that's listening to this, that has family members look into that, you know, my dad, his, his dad, my grandpa had a landscaping company and all the kids worked starting at age five and they'd be mixing up pesticides without proper equipment and all of that. My dad wore the, 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 the he was a fireman for 27 years. He wore those suits with the PFOS, the forever chemicals. If, if you guys have seen the documentary, the devil, we know, um, you need to have, have, these forever chemicals on your radar because they're in our homes, they're in clothes. <clears throat> and there's a lot of things that are happening that are straight criminal. One of one of the guys in our program is a fireman. And he went to the board and said, look, there are firemen in Europe wearing toxin-free suits. They exist. And he ran it up the pole. He took it to the committee. He said, the reason that all these firemen are dying of cancer is because you guys are giving it to them by forcing them to wear these suits. It ba he basically got stonewalled and hit a point where he thinks there are ties with the pharmaceutical industry in the suits. And he's now trying to get infrared saunas in, in the stations. And I'm saying this because if you guys know anyone that is a fireman, the more firemen that know what's going on with PFOS and these forever chemicals, the louder you guys get, the 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 the, the more likely you are to get toxin-free suits faster. And, and, and I care about that because I saw what happened to my dad and that being a potential cause. And then of course he had mercury in his mouth as well and, and probably Lyme disease that had gotten into his brain. Um, but unfortunately when we got the mercury out, he was so compromised physically that even the tiniest dosages of any chelating agent would, he'd start hallucinating and, and it was, it was terrible. You know, he didn't know who we were. He was trying to fight us and we just got smaller and smaller with the dosages, but we, we couldn't even find a dose that he could handle by the, by the time it got there, you know? Yeah. Chelation is a bit of a double-edged sword because you're mobilizing it. The body will try to hide it somewhere and you're mobilizing it. And so you, you run the risk of spreading it around. And so, so it's a, it's a double-edged sword, but it's still better than just letting it be in some case. Now, some cases you have to look at the health of the patient as to making an assessment as to whether or not they can tolerate chelation. But then there are other detoxification mm -hmm. pathways, you know, uh, saunas and sweating and, uh, you know, probably a, a number of different things that we could do food-wise and nu nutrient-wise, herb-wise to help promote better detoxification as well. What what have you seen um, and, and how has it affected your opinion of coffee enemas for detoxification, increasing glutathione, health of the liver, and, and particularly cancer? So I, I personally did use them. Uh, actually, when I first started at the Reardon Clinic, uh, I went through an evaluation myself and it was recommended to me. I didn't have cancer, but it was recommended that I should do a series to stimulate uh, not only cleaning of the colon, but it, uh, there is an effect where it enhances glutathione production in the liver. And the thought being that that would help the liver which is your main detoxification center in the body to function better. And I did feel better. Uh, it, it reached a point of um, diminishing returns though, but I think it's something that mm -hmm. people could do on a short-term basis. Uh, it was recommended in the, in, uh, 20 years ago for, for uh, a cancer treatment. And once again, it might be beneficial short-term, but I don't think it's a long-term strategy. Yeah. 
I've been, I, I've met, I met a girl in 2013 that uh, she had had stage four cancer, went through multiple rounds of chemo, lose her hair, couldn't get out of bed, just felt like she was um, just a shell of herself. And, and when she was getting ready to do it another time, she's like, I'm getting off this crazy train. And she came across the Gershon protocol with tons of like fresh juicing and high enzyme, low sugar fruits and that sort of thing. And, and she started doing that. She started doing coffee enemas. She started doing Essiac tea, um, the, you know, named after the, the nurse that kind of put together that protocol and all these things. Kathy, they told her with the cancer, Kathy she fell backwards. Huh? Cassie spelled back. Yeah. Yeah. Yak. Right. Right. <laughs> like, 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 uh, like Recknack. Like Recknack. <laughs> as well, but, you know, as you, as you, like you pointed out to me, cancer spelled backwards. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and they told her she'd never have kids. And when I met her, we were on a, at a rooftop party in Chicago and my buddy from Boston's like, you got to meet this girl. She's been putting coffee in a butt. She's juicing vegetables. She's got, she's staying at my house. I got a bathtub full of vegetables. It's the craziest thing I ever seen. And he goes, and, and I met her and she told me about it and I started looking into it and I tried coffee and it was myself. She, she had at that time, two kids, you know, they told her she'd never have kids. She'd essentially in many ways gotten her body back into balance. And, uh, and, and, and I, and I tried coffee enemas and felt phenomenal. I've done hundreds and hundreds of them now, but what, like you said, what I find is when I hit diminishing returns, I just stop and I give myself months off or in some cases, even a year plus off. And then when I come back, it's more beneficial. But if I just kept doing it, you know, I don't, it, it's not really, there's, it, there's a little bit of a time commitment there, making it and going to lay down somewhere, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, so for our listeners, there, there probably aren't many, but maybe there are. And, and I asked you this before we hit record because I was familiar with, with Neil Riordan, who has one of the world's best stem cell clinics in Panama. And, and, and boss Rutan, the former UFC heavyweight champion, King of Pancreas, he went there and was, I believe it was there and talking about how he felt his body was like electrified and he felt so strong and powerful. And a lot of these injuries that just were, were nagging and not healing all of a sudden were, were healing. And, uh, I wanted to get down there and actually do it at some point. I think that would be phenomenal, but that's, that is Hugh's son. So Hugh, who started this clinic that, that you've been, um, running and working at for 35 years is Neil's dad. And so the whole, the whole family has been in biohacking and, and innovating and helping people in these ways for, for a long time. Especially those two, there's some other, there are four other siblings, but, and they're, they're doing some neat things as well. But, uh, but I think those two are the, are the early biohackers. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, and, and looking at, you know, your guys website and some of the things that you do, it's very exciting because they're, they're quite innovative processes, you know, the IV vitamin C, infrared thermography, um, and, and what you call how these things all come together in, in integrative oncology, which is, you know, how do we address disease in many cases, RECNAC and guys, if I say RECNAC, we're just, you can spell it backwards and understand what we're talking about. I'm just trying not to use the C word like 300 times during this episode, um, and flag the AI bots. So when it comes to RECNAC and, and integrative oncology, um, before we kind of get to some of the treatments and things that you're very excited about, and maybe even some of the things that you use for your own health, because you've seen that they have applications, whether someone is, is close to disease or they just want to improve their performance. What do you believe are the most important diagnostic tools? Starting out, testing, not guessing, figuring out where the body is imbalanced, that 
anyone, myself, our listeners, should be doing every year or every few years to get a true glimpse inside the body? Well, Dr. Reardon used to ask his audiences, what's the most important nutrient? And everyone think about that for a second. And I'm sure all kinds of I'd say sunlight. <laughs> but really what the answer, it was a trick question. The, the most important nutrient is the one you personally are lowest in or the group of them that you're lowest mm. in because nutrition is really a team sport. Nutrition works when you have all the nutrients working well. So if you're not feeling well, it's very likely you have one or more that are deficient. And unless you check all of them, you could miss it. And so many people highlight the the... The, the big, like vitamin D and vitamin C, and they're great. They're, they are like superstars. But don't forget about the other nutrients because even the big nutrients need the other nutrients to work properly. It's it's team. And so uh, that's why the BioCenter Laboratory was a foundational part of the Reardon Clinic. It actually started before the, the structures, the domes and the pyramid and, and the unique structures that are here Dr. Reardon was sending patients to the, the lab to get the nutrient testing done. So even though that doesn't diagnose cancer in the same way we think of um, a biopsy, it nevertheless can point out where people are vulnerable to cancer and other complex chronic illnesses. I would say the, the, the test I would recommend everyone to go out and do is a fasting insulin level because we're now finding out that the metabolic syndrome which is the precursor to obesity, uh, to uh, chronic infections, uh, depression, autoimmune disease, uh, all of these kind of chronic diseases that, uh, that are diabetes, that are just taking over the earth uh, is due to insulin resistance. And if people could determine the fact that they have an insulin level above four or above five, that if, if it's a fasting level, they are entering the pathway to increased risk of illness. And cancer is just one of those chronic illnesses that stem from uh, mitochondrial dysfunctioning, which is the basis of insulin resistance. I wanna dig into each one a little bit. So I guess we'll just keep going with insulin and then we'll move back to the nutrients. Um, one of the things as well with insulin that I've been paying particular attention to with how often we're on our phones now and now every home has Wi-Fi and then there's smart meters on there. It seems like there's this pattern of, of exposing the body to higher amounts of wireless electricity, which spike ACTH and blood sugar and can affect insulin uh, resistance over time. And, and, and to only obsess about food and say, oh, you need to get on the ketogenic diet because there are a lot of people who aren't eating that many carbs but they have metabolic disease. And I believe that most of that is because they're tethered to devices all day. And, and, and the electricity is causing the biological illness. And if you only try to address it with food, it's like, you know, you've got, you got one eye covered. And, um, and, and, I think, and I think that's also part of the reason why Eli Lilly has released semaglutide and terzepatide and uh, ritatritide, which are you know, these GLP-1 agonists and GIP agonists. They're, they're solving an electrical illness issue that people can't fix with, with diet and exercise. So they're like, inject yourself with these compounds and, and you won't be fat while we continue to crank up the smart grid and the amount of electricity that's pumping through everyone's houses. 
because I mean, even with, and I just go on rants sometimes as our audience is used to it, but hopefully we'll have stuff to talk about from this. Um, even, even with the electric cars, it's going beyond the fact of how these batteries are mined and everything like that for them to say that they want 50% of cars to be electric by 2030. Here's the problem. Historically, more people have died from water issues and starvation than any weapons of war. That's how the most people die during war. It's not like getting bayoneted in a, in, in a trench, you know, it's, it's starvation and bad water. If, if we try to bring all of these electric cars online, the power grid can't handle it. And they'll say they're making upgrades, but the amount of upgrades, one electric car is the equivalent of adding 25 refrigerators to a house, 25. Now imagine everyone on the, uh, in the city has one electric car. So now every household has added 25 refrigerators. Thomas Massey did the math on this. What it will cause is rolling blackouts around the country. Rolling blackouts will cause food shortages, water issues, and potentially mass death due to the fact that people won't have access to electricity. So I'm, I'm seeing some of these things unfold in, in, in a way that is concerning if we don't span out and see the bigger picture of how the, the wireless electricity affects our health, how the adaptation of these electric cars can actually cause starvation and sickness and, and, and water sanitation issues. You know what I mean? Especially without the commensurate increase. Not to mention the fact that just quote unquote upgrading the power grid, meaning pumping more electricity through the power grid in order to support these Tesla vehicles and these electric vehicles, that's going to change the amount of electricity, the magnetic, the electric, and the wireless fields, maybe just magnetic and electric, that people are exposed to in their own homes, which will also further cause health issues. Did any of that make sense? Or that, did that just sound like one big conspiracy theorist to you? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's thinking bigger and, uh, and seeing how things interconnect. And, and I, I, I could think along those same lines in terms of what it would take to get to clean up the the foods that people are eating, given the fact that mm -hmm. so many of the farmers, well, a lot of the farmers are gone. They're, they're not, they can't afford to be farmers anymore. And it's big corporate farming. Mm -hmm. But so much of it is uh, like I, I drive to my home in Northeast Kansas and I'm driving by fields and fields of, uh, of corn and soy, corn and soy. Uh, and, and we're using yeah. that to make uh, corn oil and soybean oil, which is a, an omega-6 that is uh, very poorly used. It's, uh, it's, 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 not, it's not meant for really human use in that, in that capacity. And so we see a lot of I think electrical disturbance in the cells just from uh, the uh, omega-6 fats that are proliferating in the diet. Absolutely. And the fast food. And they're always they're almost always alongside glyphosate, yes. or Roundup, or exactly. some other herbicide and pesticide yep. that ruins the microbiome and causes this reactive, reactive oxygen species to be produced at a much higher level. Exactly. So we've got, yeah, so we, all these things are, are compounding. This is compounding, mm -hmm. not in, in disinterest, it's what I think. You know, if we could stop all of this from happening, but uh, it, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a, a bit beyond just what one person can do, other than I think you just have to start making small changes in your own realm and 
advocating totally. for uh, make for better health and better food, you know, better exercise, better sleep, safer products. Like even the products in mm -hmm. the home, there's all kinds of uh, uh, chemicals in the home, let alone moldy homes and all those factors too. This is where we're trying to work in the field of oncology. We're trying to do what's called terrain therapy, where we look at all the various facets of what constitutes mm -hmm. health and, uh, and, and ask people to make changes. And, I, and our cancer patients, they're motivated, they'll do it, but they also get a kind of a burnout because to do everything you need to do to really clean up your life, it's like a full-time job and, uh, and, and it's very well, yeah. expensive. And so, so we really are like lemmings running to this cliff and no one's really talking about what are the, the factors that's causing the lemons, lemmings to just not think anymore. What's up guys, Anthony here, and I have a biohack that I think you'll find interesting. So some things that are important to me are structuring my water, revitalizing it, making sure it's of course clean. You know, you can't have fluoride or chlorine or anything in there that's going to cause oxidative stress or destroy your gut microbiome. But once you have clean water, we need to energize it or structure it. And the way that I do this is a device called the Soma Vedic. Now, the research that's been done on these devices is really exciting. So you guys have probably seen those videos uh, back in the day about the effect of different energies and words on water, where if you spoke to water using words like love and gratitude and peace and compassion, the water when frozen and looked at under uh, various types of microscopes took on a crystalline, almost snowflake-like structure. They partnered with the Masaru Moto Institute and found that the Soma Vedic has the same effect, but it goes a lot further. They've also found that when we are exposed to wireless electricity, our blood starts to, it hypercoagulates, it becomes thicker. The electrons around red blood cells that keep our blood flowing freely, we start to lose them and the red blood cells stick together. And that's where you can experience brain fog, fatigue, cardiovascular issues. It can increase your risk of all chronic and degenerative diseases. And the Soma Vedic also has been shown to restore healthy blood flow and actually put some of these electrons back into your body so that your red blood cells flow more easily and effortlessly throughout your circulatory system. If you guys are interested in checking out the Soma Vedic, you can go to somavedic.com. We have a biohacks discount code set up for you and I think you'll love it. It's a very sophisticated, uh, dare I say, control grid that that is, is implemented. And even I'll, I'll share something with you. I'll bring it up and I'm gonna try not to lead the witness. Um, I heard a conversation with Dr. Peter Atia the other day, and he was asked what causes cancer. And he did his, oh, so hard. Okay. And his response in short was obesity and cigarette smoking. I would add sugar, I would add sugar to that, you know, for, uh, sugar and refined products like that. So the, those would be the three I would implement as well. See, obesity, what causes obesity? He said obesity causes cancer. What causes obesity? 
everything. <laughs> I mean, it's like when <laughs> you know, it's a it's a body out of balance. It's it's a it's a body out of balance that's swelling. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I I think yeah yes it's like yes and to me to me that answer I was like there are we not talking about toxins and chemicals and pesticides and and herbicides and the interaction that we mentioned earlier with the you know the EMFs and the metals and 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 you know potential Lyme disease and Bartonella and all of these different things that play on one another Dr. Holda Clark I don't know what you think about her but she thought some cancers are parasites parasitic infections that haven't been diagnosed and then then you have guys are you familiar with the, with Joe Tippins yes that's that's a good friend of right. you so he really interesting yeah. okay so let's can you can you maybe tell the Joe Tippins story or the, the the Tippins protocol and uh and and I'm not saying we're suggesting this I'm more saying like the story because you guys have known him for a long time I just know him from the internet and I've used the protocol as as a preventative tool and that's I, I use it on my with my dog and everything like that because of its wide-ranging anti-parasitic benefits but I'm kind of curious what's your story and or, or take on him and you everything mean the all story yeah yeah so for our audience joe joe tippins was diagnosed with cancer he started basically microdosing febendazole taking what would be the equivalent of uh, the dose that you would give a 10 pound dog 222 milligrams a day with with his meals and uh, uh stage four cancer what is he five seven years out he's been doing this and no issues and then now there's people all over the world doing it as well and um and it, and it became a thing and it's it saved a lot of people's lives and uh it, anyway Yes, it and it works for some people, but not for everyone. That's that's the thing right. is is it's uh, and in the cancer realm, what we find happening with our cancer patients is that they have to start becoming more aware of all the various facets of their lives that are otherwise invisible, and then mm -hmm. begin to clean it up, clean up their GI tract, not only of parasites but of the omega-6 fatty acids, the refined sugars, mm -hmm. the, uh, the pesticides that are laden in foods. Uh, mm -hmm. So then, and then they start, you know, saying, well, where did the beef come from? What was the beef, what were the chickens fed? You know, what mm -hmm. kind of an environment did the chickens live in? Was it, was it like, a, I always think of those large chicken farms like as a concentration camp, that those chickens are horribly yeah. stressed, even if they, do survive and become something that you sell in the supermarket. There's a lot of stress hormones in the in the chicken and the beef that are in the. It's like it's like how I see New York and and Chicago in ten years. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it'll be it will be the factory farms of humans oh, of humanity. Yeah, yeah. So connected. It's all interconnected, and interestingly enough, it's when people get the cancer the C word uh, diagnosis that they, they, they really start to wake up. They start looking at everything a lot more carefully, but otherwise we're all scrambling just to make a living, just to get by. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how it's all intertangled, but that mm -hmm. the first step of wellness is to really start stepping back, step back mm -hmm. and start taking a look at what you're doing and say, can I do this better? safer, cleaner, uh, in a more holistic way. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And what happens and what I've seen with, 
with when someone gets the the recneck diagnosis or the c word diagnosis fear takes over <gasps> and when when we're fearful as we saw in 2020 and, and throughout human history people don't think parts of the brain shut down that allow us to accurately assess a situation and the true risks rewards and everything like that and and, and, and oftentimes people will just surrender themselves to the system and say, fix me, please save me. I'm terrified. And um, that's why, in my opinion, it's so important to stay ahead of this stuff, to be proactive and to be getting the diagnostic tools like you get with the, the people that you get for the people at your clinic. Like we get with people just to have the data points to know what's going on inside of our body, because time and time again, whether you're an intelligent person um, or, or someone that's that's been you know paying attention to health your entire life or not at all. When you hear that C word, most people get scared and they stop thinking. And, and, and that is not the time to look into all of the different options and ways to bring the body back into balance. Um, it's, it's before then, it's before that happens. One of the reasons we like to do the nutrient testing is mm -hmm. uh, that a lot of times if I tell a person or suggest to a person that they change their lifestyle or change their food, they may or may not hear me. They may, may hear me, but whether or not they have the motivation to change is it's not always there. And, or the energy. Or the energy. But it's interesting information that they believe. Like uh, if, if, if we say that our lab has been uh, surveyed and found to have without any deficiencies for the last 10 years, that makes them trust our nutrient levels better. Now, nutrient levels, they're just like, you know, your your vitamin B3, which, you know, mm -hmm. B3 niacin. is niacin. You wouldn't yeah. think that would be a very important thing to know, but that is your connection to your mitochondria. If you want to make yeah. large yeah. amounts of NAD and you want to fuel your mitochondria better and you say, well, what's the big deal about the mitochondria? Oh, when they, when they dysfunction, and the cells go into glycolysis, which is sugar burning, and you're, you start becoming craving all this sugar, and you realize that is the essence of cancer. That's why cells become cancerous. Then all of a sudden, a niacin level is pretty darn important, and you want to keep mm -hmm. that niacin level pretty high. Now, you, frankly, you can just take orthomolecular doses of niacin but you have to be mm -hmm. motivated to do it. And so you either have to know what it is and why it's important or get the blood level checked. And if it's low, mm -hmm. that's a starting point that motivates you to start making changes in your supplementation and in your diet and in your sleep and in your exercise and your human relationships, even that, uh, that's turning out to be critically important. Matter of fact, uh, uh, there was a, what, what was his, there's a book called Anti-Cancer Living. And he listed mm -hmm. the six top epigenetic factors that help a person either recover from cancer or not get cancer. You know what the number one was, Joe? Not, not Anthony. That's my, that is, that is my middle name okay. though. Okay. So, it's all right. <laughs> <I was thinking laughs> no Joe uh, connectivity. Yeah, absolutely. And if and and we and a lot of people are living lives of crowded isolation. That's what I was saying. Mm -hmm. And so if, if people could connect and start thinking and what can I do to take better care of myself and how can I help my fellow humans, these mm -hmm. could be very powerful steps in the direction of healing the world.
yeah, it really, it really does start with us. There was a, a funny moment. So, um, two days ago, one of my friends, she's in New York and, you know, we've been talking on the phone a good amount. She was leaving a John Mayer concert and we got on the phone. We ended up talking all night. And my brother at one point, you know, he, he had woke, he must've woke up at four thirty five AM and he was just hanging out on the couch. And, uh, and then the next morning he comes to me and he's like, I'm very concerned about your, uh, inverted circadian habits lately. And, and I'm afraid it's going to catch up with you if you're not careful. <laughs> and I was like, I actually appreciate your concern. And you're right. You know what I mean? I stayed up all night and he was like, he, he's like, this is like the, the second or third time I've seen you like up when I'm, you know, when you should be sleeping. Right. And then one other example, I had a friend come over last night. We stayed up pretty late, just talking and catching up. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. And, uh, and again, you know, big shift in the wake sleep cycle. I think in situations where we're making these compromises for that connectivity, right? that's what I was going to say. It, it might be, it might be worth it. Number three is sleep. Yes. Number yes. two is stress, you know, and, 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 mm -hmm. and it's interesting if you have good connectivity that lowers your stress, uh, mm -hmm. and probably you're going to sleep better, but it, it would be good to maintain a good circadian cycle. For sure. I totally agree. And, um, it's, you know, it's just in the context and it's, it's, it's very different than, you know, me staying up all night playing a video yeah. game. Or something, or, or something like that, right? Yeah. Where it's it's double whammy. Yeah. Um, okay, so now I, I want to dig into the nutrient testing a little bit because you guys, I mean, the nutrient testing that you guys do at the Reorgan Clinic is different than if I were to go on Life Extension's website and buy some of their individual nutrient tests. Can you kind of explain the difference? Because I I have never, I've not been too big on nutrient testing. Um, I have used hair tissue mineral analysis to figure out where there are deficiencies and imbalances. But if, for example, magnesium, a lot of times I, I've found that depending on which test I get, it might say someone is has sufficient levels of magnesium, but then when we either supplement or in, in, in with some people, I do injections and have found injections to be the only way to actually get them to physiological levels where they feel their best. And I don't know exactly why that is. Maybe it's gut dysfunction or whatever, but um, that's made me kind of say, well, look, this says they're fine on magnesium, but if I actually supplement them with magnesium, they feel way better. And I haven't found a test that 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 I believe indicates optimal levels in terms of their quality of life and brain function and everything like that. But maybe you guys have it. So you could explain a little bit on what differentiates yours from the other ones and whether it's accessible to, you know, people like me or our listeners. RBC magnesium is the test that we use and it's better than just a serum magnesium. A serum magnesium is only going to be abnormal if you really are de depleted. RBC will give you a better level, but even it's not the best. The best, right. I forget the name of the test, but it's a scraping of the your inner cheek where he analyzes the cells of the of the body for their cellular level of uh, magnesium. It's a $350 test, so it's not too, too uh, realistic to be asking patients to be doing that all the time. But on the other hand, oh, my, right. my assumption is most everyone is magnesium deficient. Because sure. if you're stressed, if you're eating uh, refined foods all the time, if you're not sleeping very well, 
if you're on various medications, you know, your diuretics and a lot of your medicines deplete magnesium. Magnesium is the most important mineral by a long shot. And you can almost mm -hmm. just assume you're low in it. And some people will just go ahead and take dose, they'll dose up until they actually get diarrhea. And, mm -hmm. and, and as a kind of a one way of testing, but uh, there's yeah. about eight different forms of magnesium. So there's different discussions about what, which form might be the best for which person. But usually we, we do mention magnesium. We do magnesium in all of our IV vitamin Cs, all of our nutrient IVs. So yeah, you've hit a, a, a big one there. I think along with vitamin C and vitamin D, those three alone are the, are the biggies. And so we use the lab as a kind of a wake-up call motivator. Uh, this is independent. I mean, I think I can say all day long, take vitamin D, take magnesium. But if their lab comes in below average even, I'm not even happy with, if, if they've got a magnesium level and it's in the 50th percentile, I'm saying you're, you're not getting enough. I'd like you in the 90th percentile. Don't you want an A for magnesium? Uh, mm -hmm. something like that to kind of get people thinking about why are we satisfied with just having uh, the 10th percentile? The 10th percentile is in the, 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 the curve, but it's not, it's not an, not adequate, especially if you're stressed, if you're sick, if you're tired, you're not sleeping, all those things indicate magnesium deficiency. Yeah. I, I found that when I added magnesium injections, sub Q, it, it, it was, that, that moved the needle the most for me. And anytime someone is struggling with chronic fatigue, anything chronic, really, they're, I'll, I'll tell them, look, we can put you on mag glycinate or, or mag malate or something like that, but you, you're probably going to feel best with the injections. And if they're okay with a little, a little prick in the thigh, it's, it, it, it's, it's a very high return on, on investment for a lot of those people. Um, I'm curious about well, let me see if I'm I'm done here with the nutrient testing. Now, is this something like could could I go and order this nutrient test from yes, your you clinic? Can. Okay. But but right. a lot of yeah. it has to be I mean, we're we're working on making it available around the country. Right now, a lot of the tests are not available around the country. Uh, mm -hmm. a lot of the tests are indirect nutrient levels. These are direct mm -hmm. blood levels of the of the B vitamins, the uh, the antioxidants, the fatty acids, mm -hmm. the amino acids, and also when you get the whole profile, you get to see where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are and where to start. Because a lot of people, when they start talking about improving your nutrition, then we start getting into these big discussions about how much fat and how much carbohydrate. And, my big thing is eat whole foods, eat clean whole foods regularly, and you'll you'll be a long mm -hmm. shot ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I like that. Um and, and I I do I'm excited about more of these labs becoming accessible, not so people can practice medicine, so people can get the data, the the health intelligence required to make the right decisions about s staying healthy, mm -hmm. not getting wreck neck. You know, not getting metabolic disease that that probably precedes a lot of these mm -hmm. things. The other diagnostics is, is: is there anything else that you consider crucial? Is infrared thermography? I mean, I would imagine that has high relevance in breast, breast cancer. cancers and yeah, and, 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 and yeah, can, that sort of, that sort of thing. The throat, you know, technical thyroid cancer. So it's a it's a it's a uh, in many ways it's a preventive medicine test. It makes women more aware 
of what's going on. And if we do start to see some patterns of increased heat, uh, then we can we can give them you know changes that they can make that would be beneficial. So it's it's uh, early detection without increasing. Uh, risk because uh, mammography, even though it's an early detection tool, it is it is a, a it is a kind of a damage to the breasts and it is X-ray yeah. radiations. Whereas thermography, you're just taking the heat signature coming off the breast tissue, so you can start to see where there are areas, islands of increased uh, vascularity. Yeah, this is a, a good moment to say. Um, you know, these, these are not necessarily like, this is, we're having a discussion for entertainment purposes and, and information purposes. Um, I have heard from people that have, that, that, that have been in oncology for decades that they believe there are many examples and, and a compelling body of evidence that suggests mammograms may actually be causing cancer in some women. Well, that's true in Canada and Switzerland. And is it Norway? There are three countries that have stopped doing mammograms. They've looked at the data, uh, but mm -hmm. that's not true in the United States. Yeah. We're, we're kind of gung ho on, I mean, we've got things that are getting outlawed in other countries and then the U S is still full speed ahead. And it's, it's, it's difficult to even, you know, just like the example from earlier with the, the PFOS and the fire retardant, you know, in the fireman suits, Right. It's, it's difficult to kind of not necessarily say go up against the system, but make a change in the system. You know, there's so much bureaucracy and and, and this and that. Um, some of the other like treatments that you guys use there. I mean, I see that you're using nebulized hydrogen peroxide. I mean, I do that when I'm when I'm not feeling well. One of one of my clients was he had his daughter doing it the other day. He was he had her nebulizing a, a diluted solution of three percent food grade hydrogen peroxide with a little bit of uh, of iodine. And um, yeah, let's talk well, about, a little uh, bit about Dr. some of these Tom treatments. Levy, who's one of our consultants, wrote a book on this and basically was able to show that the, the this is back in the time of COVID when it was really rampant. Uh, mm -hmm. it would, it, that's where it, uh, that's where you acquire the virus. And then there's an incubation period. Be and the other problem is once it starts to colonize, it forms biofilms around it that makes it harder for the immune system to take it out or even recognize it. And so when you do mm -hmm. hydrogen peroxide, you break down those biofilms, you do kill a certain number of the viruses, but, uh, you're, you're basically helping the immune system monitor its, the body and, and do its job. And so it's, and for the cost, there's no cost, essentially no cost. It takes, there's even like little bottles that you can spray into your nose now, 10 bucks. And you do that every day. Uh, you just start dramatically reducing your risk of colds and flu and all these other various uh, diseases that now we want to create a vaccine against everything. and. I think there's something like 60 vaccines that are on the list now that kids growing up that are are scheduled to get, and we're yeah, forgetting yeah. that we'll call we'll call that the V word, the V word. Okay, that's the V word. That's, <laughs> that's the other the, one. The robots, yeah. the robots look out for that yeah. one too. <laughs> it's funny, we can't talk about these things without that kind of uh, surveillance. So. People, people are people are catching on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, for, fortunately, people are catching on, and for the time being, we have to be a little bit, a little bit stealthier with it. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, 
that could be a whole episode. Um, and I've gone pretty hard on, on the V's and the, and the V word, especially in, in, you know, when it's, when all signs point to that, it's not even, um, what they're saying it is, but that's, that's, I, I agree with yeah. you. The modern man is devolving and at a rapid pace. Men today have an average IQ that's eight points lower than they were just 20 years ago. Men today are 50% more likely to be depressed compared to just 20 years ago, are 300% more likely to be obese compared to just 60 years ago, have sperm counts that are 62% lower than they were just 50 years ago, and have testosterone levels that are about 50% lower than they were just 20 years ago. But the reality is that it doesn't have to be this way. Your manhood, your strength, your power, your energy, your focus, all of these things are within your control. And you just need to recognize that all over the world, there are people that are curing cancer. There are people that are overcoming heart disease. Diabetes is a choice if you have the right tools at your disposal. But if you are one of the men that does not want to follow this pattern and you wanna take control of this stuff, you wanna have control over your body and mind, then I encourage you to go to biohackercoaching.com, fill out the short form, grab a time to talk with myself or someone from our team. Everything that we do is 100% guaranteed. If you're not absolutely thrilled with the results that you get, I don't want your money, I'll give it back. If you don't get a return, meaning if you don't make more money as a result of us working together because of greater energy, greater health, greater, greater focus, greater mental clarity, thinking faster, working smarter, getting more done in less time, then I don't want your money. So it's no risk to you. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for being a part of the Biohacking Secrets family. Thank you for supporting this podcast. If you want to level up, go to biohackercoaching.com. Thank you. Can we talk about vitamin C a little bit? Because there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot to unpack here, and you'll hear certain people in the health space saying ascorbic acid, which is the main form of vitamin C comes from GMO corn. So you got to, you have to pay attention to what, where, where it's being sourced, how it's being manufactured. I think we'd all probably agree that it's better to get vitamin C, not from GMO and, corn. And that's what we use in our IVs is non GMO, non corn based. And then, and so what does, what does it come from? Well, that's, uh, that's, that's another question because, uh, I, I'm trying to think here, uh, the, the one of the main companies say that it's not corn, right. but they don't always tell us what it is. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's where it's hard to figure this stuff out. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a palm, palm something, palm kernel or something that there's, there's different ways to get it though, besides corn-based. And then, I mean, what are your thoughts on um, when, when taking ascorbic acid, you're just getting sort of the outer shell of the vitamin C and that's not necessarily what it even looks like in nature and in food and in, in AMLA and, and lemons and limes and yep. what are your thoughts no on that? Question, no question. No, and I have no argument that uh, if you can get vitamin C from food, it's better because again, we've become so uh, pharmaceutical in our thinking where we break things down to the smallest component, like sugar itself doesn't occur by itself in nature. No animal eats sugar by itself. It's always part of a fruit or a part of a, 
vegetable or something like that. So, but yet we have made sugar the 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 one of the main things that's being consumed in the in the world today, and it's a major factor in metabolic syndrome. And, and yet it's so enculturated, and we're so addicted to it. That's our problem. But sugar by itself is not a bad guy. It's just that it's it's missing the the rest of what we would use to metabolize this. So the same thing could be said about vitamin C. And vitamin C actually has a structure very similar to glucose. The body uh, uses glucose to make vitamin C. It's one it's one enzyme step away. And so, but that's also part of the power of using high dose vitamin C because high dose vitamin C can uh, stealthily get into the cancer cell and uh, generate hydrogen peroxide and kill the cancer cell from the inside out. So vitamin C, even though it is an antioxidant, in, in the high doses, it becomes an intracellular pro-oxidant that can help your body fight cancer. So you have to know the pharmacokinetics of what's going on. If you're just talking about vitamin C as if it's just a, a vitamin or a food, that doesn't give you the whole story of why IV vitamin C can be a very useful tool. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys, well, um, do you guys use intravenous hydrogen peroxide? Rarely, we do use it. Uh, I, I really think that uh, we use a lot of ozone too, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then and the, the difference between ozone and, and hydrogen peroxide is pretty small. I mean, H2O2 convert converts into water and the the hydroxyl or the uh, oxygen radical. Mm -hmm. uh, O3, ozone, converts into oxygen and the oxygen radical. Mm -hmm. And so the oxygen radical then stimulates a whole sequence of things that help the body hormetically rise to a higher level of functioning. Mm -hmm. you're, you're familiar with hormesis. Mm -hmm. And so uh, these are therapies that are hormetic in nature. They stimulate the immune system. They stimulate the body's response to illness. And, and at the same time, they offer uh, increased boost to the immune system, for instance. So, so we're using these kinds of things as a way of cleanly helping the body help itself better. I've had a number of people over the past few years who have been excited about the opportunities that ozone presents, whether we're talking about like blood ozone, major autohemotherapy, 10 pass, uh, uh, there's even some now um, where they're filtering the blood as well and alongside the, the ozone treatment. Um, and, but what, what I'm hearing in some of these stories from people is, oh, I went and tried ozone and I felt awful for three days. You know, my first experience with ozone when I was dealing with Lyme, I felt like charged up and amazing afterwards. And I was like, I was almost giddy and, and, and you know, where you're just like talking and don't shut up. And I was with my girlfriend driving home and I'm like, I feel so good. This is incredible. But there's a lot of people where they go and they try ozone, including athletes. So these, one of these guys was playing in the NHL. He went and tried ozone and felt awful. Have you seen that? And and what do you think is going on there? Well, we're back to this whole concept of hormesis. It'd be like someone who says, you know, bodybuilding is really good for you. So you go in and you do a lot of bodybuilding and you overexceed what you should be doing in the in the early stages and you injure yourself. Mm. So then you say, is bodybuilding bad? <laughs> no, it's still good for you, but you've got to do it. You've got to take into consideration the state of the person that's wanting to use that modality as a way of improving their health. Wow. 
Also, it can trigger major detoxifications. And so some of these people that have really bad effects, they may be very toxic and don't even know it. And so even a small dose of, of therapy could make them feel even worse. Yeah. But for yeah. the most part, it's helping the body uh, rise to the occasion and do a better job of healing itself. Are, are you guys utilizing um, EBU, this extra corporeal blood oxygenation and ozonation? We, we like to, it's extremely expensive, yeah. uh, just even to get started in it. Uh, so we haven't done that yet. And it's also, you have to find a, you have to get all set up for it. We, and we've got plenty of modalities as we have now. I mean, we can't keep up with all the, the, the various modalities that people are coming out with. Mm -hmm. Not that I, I, I'm, I'm all in favor of innovation, but we've got a lot of other things that we can use now that work very good. Ebu is the, the neat new thing on the, on, on the market right yeah. now. So, and I think it does have exciting opportunities associated with it. Out of the, all the therapies that you offer, so we've got IV nutrition, high dose vitamin C, nebulized peroxide, ultraviolet blood radiation, which is kind of what we, that I'm usually linked with, with major audio therapy, the blood ozonation, mistletoe. And we do that together. Yeah, we actually do it. Together. Yeah, yeah, nice. All these different things. What, um, so this is a two-part question. The first is which which therapies have you seen the most success with when people are are overcoming RECNAC or dealing with RECNAC? And then which therapies or biohacks do you utilize in your life just to fee look, feel, and perform your best? So by far and away, since since our our research basically substantiates what we do here. We do a lot of intravenous vitamin C. I, in my 35 years here, has probably overseen 150,000 intravenous vitamin C infusions. It's very safe. It's very safe. Dr. Levy says it's the one molecule, you know, you can kill yourself drinking too much water. You can't do that by taking too much vitamin C. Mm -hmm. uh, vitamin C appears to be one of the safest molecules on the planet. Now, it does have to be used medically, though. If you've got fluid retention from ascites or other cancer-related complications, you just can't go in with both guns blaring. You have to use it in a in an intelligent way. But so vitamin C overall, and we've used it for sepsis. We've used it for chronic infections. We've used it for Lyme. But we find that it by itself is oftentimes not quite enough. And so we're doing more with uh, various ozone therapies. We, we have naturopathic oncologists on staff. We're using mistletoe therapy, which is another hormetic way of enhancing the immune response. And so we're finding using these synergistically has a better effect than relying upon one to, to do the job every time. Mm -hmm. And then you have to choose your, your patients based upon the type of illness they have, what their, what their stability is in terms of their basic health. All these come into a decision-making process. Uh, so in, are you familiar with uh, Clinic St. George in Bad Eibling, Germany? Dr. Dow's? Heard of it. So heard of they it. use um, extreme whole body hyperthermia. They heat the body up right. to 107 degrees. And as of when I was out there in 2021, they'd used it successfully with 25,000 people that had RECNAC. And <clears throat> they'd found that it also worked with uh, Lyme. 
and and some of the associated co-infections, not so much with Bartonella because Bartonella has a higher heat tolerance, but they'd heat the body up to 107 degrees and then in, in, in RecNAC administer small amounts of, you know, basically one-tenth the, the chemo dose that would otherwise be used. Um, and they do that twice, one week apart. I did it for Lyme disease the second time. I was like, I'm not... I'm not doing a hundred ozones again and everything that I did the first time with Lyme. I went, I just flew, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Germany and they're going to cook me. And I went out there and did that. And, um, it was a fascinating process. I did IV chelation. I, I, I went in and did the extreme whole body hyperthermia and the data is, is very compelling. And, um, on, on that as a treatment option. And it seems like it's far safer than a lot of, at least what the, the quote unquote, you know, conventional processes are for some of these things. Yeah, no, uh, our, our integrative oncologists are real <laughs> hot on that. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they really, no, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. They really do think that may be one of the best treatments around. It's just that it's not available very easily. You have to fly out of the country. And like you said, and yeah. there are some places, I think there's a place in Canada and there's a place in Mexico, Mexico, but, but it, it and I think it's, you know, have you ever heard of Coley's toxins? Coley's toxins. Yeah. So this is where that was a uh, that was one of the early immunotherapies where they injected uh, bacterial toxins into <laughs> cancer patients. And once again, it's hormesis. Mm -hmm. It upregulates the immune response. Yeah. And if you can do that in a safe way, and I think the uh, the uh, hyperthermia does the same thing. You're upregulating everything, but you again, you have to do it intelligently. Right. And, and that's where sometimes I find myself frustrated because I'm like, okay, so I, I mean, I was there, I saw how compromised some of these people were that were dealing with RECNAC and they would go in and they do extreme whole body hyperthermia. He's, he'd, he'd never, he's never had anyone die. So you're taking people in their weakest, most compromised form and no one's died. That's that's pretty but, you know, that's a pretty good safety profile. Getting a fever, getting a fever is, is a basic immune response, and it's like people are too sick to get a fever, and so okay, now we can we're going to do a fever for them, and lo and behold, they get better. Yeah, it's it's basically using what the body would normally do, except they're inducing it from the outside, but nevertheless getting the response on the inside. Yeah. Um, so part two of that question from earlier is, what do you do yourself? That I mean, do you use the the PEMF mats? Are you are you regularly chelating metals just to um, you know see if there's still anything in there? Like, what are some of the other processes that you apply to your life, or whether it's on a daily, weekly, monthly, or every couple of years? So uh, I I do all of the IV therapies here, but not necessarily on a regular basis. Like last week, I had a ultraviolet blood irradiation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Levy's coming out with some research from Switzerland that that is very effective in people developing spike pro protein and microcoagulation disorders. Mm -hmm. And so we're doing D-dimer tests on people. And if they, if they have that, then we're recommending UBI because it's such a benign therapy that's very effective. Mm -hmm. And so, so I so I do that. I'll, I'll often, I'll oftentimes do the IV vitamin C. We have the ability to do a, a quick push, a 7.5 gram infusion over about five minutes. And so that's a really good pick me up. Uh, I do a lot of the various supplement therapies. We, I have my nutrient levels checked every year, sometimes twice a year. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very big on natural thyroid hormone and getting people's thyroid levels 
working properly. Most, most doctors do not know about reverse T3 and reverse T3 is an indicator of stress, infection, toxins, and stress and uh, uh, in, infections uh, with patients. And if you, if you, if they have a really high reverse T3, they could be taking thyroid hormone, and it's still not going to do the job mm. because uh, there's a whole story behind that. But it's, it, I find it in a lot of people who are chronically ill. They're, they have huge levels of reverse T3, and their thyroid's not working for them. Mm -hmm. So this is. This is one thing that we check on our patients, hormone replacement therapy with careful follow-up. We do that as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a lot of the functional therapies that's available at, at Reardon Clinic. And it, and it just depends on where the patient's at when they come in as to what, which ones we choose to use. Do you guys test for anything like glyphosate or atrazine, you know, pesticides, herbicides? Are, are, you, are you doing parasite testing? Like what are some of the the things that you're looking for where you're, you know, if someone's, if someone's loaded with parasites, their nutrients are going to be off because the parasites are eating their food and, and, and probably causing leaky gut and other issues, you know? Yeah. We do a GI effects test that we send out. We don't, we used to do the actual parasite testing ourselves, but uh, the guy that did it for us left. And so we, we send it out. Now we do do glyphosate testing. We do mold testing. Mm -hmm. We do chemicals, you know, uh, environmental chemicals. We can do a, a urine test on that one as well. We do viral titers, mm -hmm. number of different viral titers. Mm -hmm. Again, it just depends upon the presentation of the patient. So the, the nutrient testing is kind of the foundation and then acts, uh, ancillary testing on top of that, depending upon the case. Very cool. Well, I mean, this has been a fascinating conversation. I feel like we could we could keep going for a while, and there's there's so much nuance in in oncology, and I'm sure you've seen some things that where you've connected many dots that other people haven't. Um, but you know, I want to be respectful of your time too, and 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 you know, not not bring you on a Friday afternoon marathon death march of a podcast session. <laughs> <laughs> so well, it's been fun. It's fun to kind of go over all this and. Uh, you know, I think it's, I, I'm, I'm glad that people are getting interested in it. I, I think it's, you know, we're, 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 uh, we're working more and more on trying to be integrative. You know, for a long time, it, what Reardon Clinic was, was alternative. And the problem with alternative is that sometimes you really do need conventional medicine, mm -hmm. you know, not just sometimes, a lot of times. Yeah. And so it's not that we're down on it. We're, we're down on the fact that oftentimes my biggest concern is, doctors are being constrained from being real doctors. Yeah. They're, they're basically having to just follow corporate recommendations mm -hmm. and insurance pathways and whatnot. And, and, and to me, a doctor is someone, there's a sacred relationship between the doctor and the patient. Mm -hmm. And somehow that is being uh, interfered with. Absolutely. And as a result, we're not gonna get a, the same results. Mm -hmm. Because when a patient knows that you are for them and not for some bigger institution, that's part of the healing process. Mm -hmm. There's, there's that. There, I don't know what that is, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it is a sacred bond mm -hmm. that if it's done properly. But you have to keep your head clear mm -hmm. because it, there's so many facets of the world today that are that are uh, interfering with that relationship, and res as a result, we just see rampant chronic illness just rampant chronic yeah. illness. And I, I don't know how the healthcare system, the disease care system is gonna keep up with it uh, in, in the next decade or so. 
Absolutely. And um, well, where where can people stay up to date on cool things that you guys are working on? You've got the uh, riordanclinic.org, R-I-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-I-N-I-C.org. Um, any other calls to action or, or, or things that, I mean, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, share it, send it to people that have either had cancer or RECNAC, are dealing with RECNAC or, or are interested and, you know, enjoy conversations like this. But uh, Ron, what, what, what's your call to action for our listeners? Well, the, we have a real health podcast. Oh, cool. Uh, and it's about, they're only about 20 minutes. So they're shorter and we're trying to hit specific topics. I would say out of the 60 or so that we have, about 20 or 25 of them re relate to our cancer care mm. and different aspects of the cancer care here. So that would be a good place for people to start. Uh, our newsletter is exceptionally good. So anyone can, they can read it online or we'll, we'll send it to them if they want it sent to them. Nice. But it's got a lot of, and we've got 25 years of really good newsletters that they can, it's all available on our website. And then YouTube Reardon Clinic, uh, we have a lot of our past seminars and uh, IVC conferences are there uh, and th those tapes are all available as well. Lovely. And we can sign up for the newsletter on, on your website, reardonclinic.org. Yeah. Lovely. Well, Ron, thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your time and energy and wisdom. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, if guys, if, if, if you really enjoy this episode, let me know, let Ron know. And uh, if you want us to do a part two at some point or dive into other topics that, uh, that you wanted us to cover here in more depth, then let us know that too. And maybe we'll do a part two. Anthony, thank you for what you're doing in terms of helping people to try to find their way to better results, truer actions, and uh, just a better overall quality of life. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing and uh, talk soon.